0: EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a TAD Predictable hosted by Tadewa. Good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast. Today is Thursday. It is the 24th of August. Hope you're all well. In today's weather, the sun is shining. It's a little bit cloudy, but the sun is shining. So, you know, that'll brighten the mood. Also, brightening the mood is the return of real football. Obviously, the big six leagues are all back underway, and that's all great. And European competition is. Back underway in a real way. Obviously there's been qualifier rounds going on for the last couple of weeks, but no one really cared. But now we're at the playoff round for the Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League. And this will have a major impact on how these competitions shape up this season. So the first leg of the playoffs took place Tuesday and Wednesday for the Champions League. Antwerp beat AEK Athens 1-0, uh, Vincent Janssen with the only goal in that one, but Antwerp did finish with 10 men after Batali was sent off, so he'll be missing from the second leg. Um, Rakow nil Copenhagen 1, Bogdan R- R- Raketevan, I think, uh, with the own goal, so Copenhagen will go home for the second leg with a big advantage. Rangers 2, PSV Eindhoven 2. Abdullah Sima opened the scoring on 45 minutes. Ibrahim Sanger, who'd been at fault for the Sima goal, equalised on 61. Ravi Matondo finished off a nice Rangers move to make it 2-1 on 76. But Luke De Jong with... What was credited as a header, but actually came off like his back um, on 80 to equalize. So PSV go home, 2 2, game in the balance. Of course, Rangers did knock them out last season. So, you know, nothing should be taken for granted with that one. Mulder 2, Galatasaray 3. Ealingson put Mulder 1 up, Oliveira equalized. Then Icardi put Galatasaray 2-1 up, but Haugen equalised for Mulda, And then in the last minute, Midsjo, Frederick Midsjo, um, scores the winner, 93 minutes, and Galatasaray get a win. Galatasaray scoring with all three goals, or sorry, with all three shots they had on target. Then he had six shots in the game. Mulda had 22 shots in the game. Six on target. So Galatasaray's goalkeeper, obviously standing up well. There it is, Muslera, the Uruguayan legend. That Galatasaray team is good. There's a lot of good players in it, and there's more very good players to come into that team. I mean, Wolf Zaha didn't play for them last night. Uh, Bay was on the bench. Tete was on the bench. There's, there's definite reason for Galatasaray fans to be quite excited about this season. Uh, Braga two, Panikonithos one. Abel Ruiz and Alvaro Jallo putting Braga two up, but Daniel Mancini scoring in stoppage time to give Panikonithos a lifeline ahead of the second leg. Uh, Maccabee Haifa, Haifa Maccabi Haifa nil, Young Boys nil in the final game there, so that one goes to the second leg, nice and balanced. All of these, to be fair. Still everything to play for. Nobody got hammered. There was no clear one-sided game. You would give Copenhagen a good advantage going home with a 1-0 lead. A.K. versus Antwerp could go any, any way, really. Same at Rangers, PSV. I would give Galatasaray a strong advantage as well, going home to their stadium with their fans and that atmosphere with a lead. Um... Braga panic andithus could go either way and then obviously same with Maccabee versus young boys it would be quite cool if we got two greek teams uh into the into the group stage um give me one second yes yeah, so olympiakos finished third ak or top how can I the second. PAOK okay, were fourth. That's what it was. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's just for my own uh, mental well being. Uh, moving on then. We have tonight the first leg of the playoff round in the Europa League. Slavia Prague will take on Zoria. Haken will take on Aberdeen. Luda against Ajax. Olimpija oh, from Slovenia, I want to say. Against Quarabeg Dino Zagreb against Sparta Prague. Union St. Jalos against Lugano, Slovan Bratislava against Aris Limassol. Key? I don't know what club that is. Oh. This is a Swedish club, I think. It is a Swedish club. No, it's a Norwegian club. It's... <laughs> Uh, no, it's a Swedish club. It is a Swedish club. Um, car and a word that I, I could be told 50 times, and still not get. Anyway, they're playing Sheriff Tiraspol. I don't know that club. Uh, Olympiakos will take on Kukaraki, Kukuriki, and Lask will take on Zrinski. Um, with no disrespect meant... I do look forward to when we get to the group stage. And the names of the clubs are easier for me to, to pronounce. Um, some absolute butchering there. Absolutely. For me, even for me, that was special. How many of them I got wrong. No, they're Norwegian. I'm an idiot. They're Norwegian. That club um, that I couldn't. Pronounce the second word of couldn't pronounce the first word of either and had never heard of them. They are Norwegian. They are Norwegian. Um, in the Europa Conference League, here's more teams whose names I won't be able to pronounce. We have loads of games tonight. Uh we did have two last night. Spartak Tervana Turnava. Spartak Turnava uh beat Dnipro from Ukraine. i uh, oh, sorry, they didn't beat them. They drew 1-1. One, one, didn't put a man sent off. Hibernian nil. Aston Villa 5 is a result of note from a Premier League point of view. Ollie Watkins with a hat-trick, Leon Bailey and a Douglas Luiz penalty. Great result for Villa. They were expected to win, obviously, but to go away and win 5 nil means that they can, in the second leg, rest pretty much everybody. Um, tonight, then... Some of these games actually kick off at 3 p.m. UK time. Topple versus Victoria plays, and they were in the Champions League last year. Uh, Astana versus Partizani. Those are at 3 p.m. Struga versus Brioblik, That's at 4 p.m. Zalgaris versus Ferenc Varosh. That's at 5 p.m. Um. Let me just... Yeah, yeah. Um, Nordljand will take on Partizan Belgrade. Lesky Sofia versus uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who will surely be one of the favourites for this competition, along with Villa. Uh, Fenerbahce against 20. Dinamo Kiev versus Besiktas. Fenerbahce and Besiktas will both be favoured to do well in this competition. Uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv against Selge, Sepsi versus Bodo Glimt, Rapid Vienna versus Fiorentina, last year's beaten finalists, Perul versus HJK Helsinki, Lille against Rijeka, Mittliand against Legia Warsaw, Genk against Adama- Adana Demirspor, Gent against Apoel. Osasuna against Club Bruges, Balcani against Bate, Hearts against PAOK, and AZ Alkmaar against Bran. So those are all tonight. Lots and lots of options. And you'll be able to watch a bunch of them if you really want to. You could watch, without any crossover, you could watch a 3pm, a 5pm, and a 7pm. Or you could watch a 3 p.m., a 6 p.m., and a 7.45. So you can watch three games today if you want to. Um, obviously, there's the Europa League options as well, but I actually think the better games are in the Conference League tonight. Dino Kiev versus Besiktas should be good. Fenerbahce versus 20. 20, I think, will be good. Um, I'd be in favour of watching Eintracht Frankfurt. I wouldn't mind watching Osasuna Club Bruges. So yeah, I think the better football to be watched tonight is in the Conference League as opposed to the Europa League. Uh, Champions League second leg of the playoffs will be next Tuesday and Wednesday. All the other ones will be next Wednesday, Thursday. And by the end of next week then, we should have a very, very good handle on what our competitions are going to look like for the season ahead. It is, of course, questions day. And I am waiting on a question from Theo. He DM'd me on Twitter a while ago. Here we go, here we go, here we go. It has come in, so we'll go with this one first. There's been a lot of attention about what the Saudis are doing in the football transfer market, but surely basketball is even lower lower hanging fruit than them. Surely they could target the next Wenbanyamas and Donchiches from Europe, then try and sign the best NCAA guys early and offer them a better financial package than they get as NBA rookies. Also, lower roster players in the NBA might fancy something different. I think this is a very good point. So for those that follow the NBA, the latest collective bargaining agreement is really going to hurt those sort of middle-tier players. So the top-level players will continue to make obscene amounts of money and even more money. But it's going to mean that there's less money for the middle-tier. So those contracts that you'd often see that are somewhere between 12 and 18 million a year, they're going to start to vanish and you're going to have more 40 million and more 4 million contracts. So I do wonder if a lot of those guys who previously would have been expected to earn, you know, 16, 17 million a year, and now all of a sudden they're signing for 4 million. Someone like, I don't know if he'd have gotten 16, 17, but Seth Curry should have been getting 10 to 12 million this year for what he can do as a shooter off the bench. That kind of value should be 10 to 12 million a year. He signed for 4 million for this season. And there's a lot of other players that will be in his boat when their contracts come up or they're already in that boat. And those type of players, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saudis start to make a real play out of. The elite will always want to play in the NBA because it will always be the highest level of competition. Because yes, the Saudis can offer them more money. As players, but can they offer them the same business opportunities? Like, look at LeBron James. He's made probably four to $500 million as a basketball player, but he's made six to $700 million aside from that for endorsements and business opportunities. So, would those same opportunities? exist to him in like and real opportunities not like we'll pretend this is a real thing and we'll just give you a ball of money real opportunities to grow his brand would those things exist for Lebron or whoever in Saudi and look maybe they'd make up for it by just throwing endless amounts of cash after him but I don't think I don't think basketball would be as popular in Saudi Arabia as football is. And again, I stand to be corrected on that. And if I am wrong, I do apologize. But I don't think it is as popular. Now, I know basketball is very much growing in the Middle East. Uh, team USA just had their preparation camp, their second preparation camp, played a little mini tournament in Abu Dhabi. And there was a lot of interest in the team there. They'll, they're now going to Manila for the World Cup. Um so it is growing in the Middle East, but not to the extent that football has grown. And football has been popular in the Middle East since God was a, a Gossam like. It just has been. Football has been more globally pro- um, prosperous than basketball, even though basketball is probably the second most popular sport in the world. I would have more concern if it was China, to be honest. If they were willing to throw around the same type of money, I'd have a bit more concern because I think basketball in China is enormous. And I think you could convince more players to move there. I don't know about the the elite level players going to Saudi. I could certainly see certain players who, you know, weren't going to be lottery picks in the draft. I could see them preferring to go to Saudi. I could see players taking the Saudi route instead of going to the NCAA. And instead of going to like the G League, you know, a lot of those players they go to Australia or they do go to Europe or whatever. I could see players doing that, but I think they'd only do it for a year or two years. Um, as for the best players in Europe, your Wembenyamas, your Jokic's, your Yanis's, your Lucas, these guys got these guys grew up dreaming of the NBA. They didn't grow up dreaming of Saudi Arabia, and I do think that matters. Now Later in their careers, I think, again, it, they, they could do similar to what they're doing with football, where players, say like a James Harden, he's at a contract next summer. He'll be a free agent. And as things stand, it doesn't look like there'll be huge interest in him. He's the type of player I could see the Saudis making a play for. And I think if you've got players like him... And Russell Westbrook and John Wall, big name players who are past their best, plus then those middle of the road type of players and a bunch of young players who aren't the elite of the elite, but are certainly good players. I think that's how the Saudis could build a league. And it would only take getting, you know, Harden, Westbrook, Wall to give it some legitimacy. If they could pluck the odd mega talent from high school or from Europe, if they just found some kid that just thought, you know what, I'm just going to grab this money while it's there, then that would obviously be a huge boost to it. But I don't think we'd see a huge swarm of young players making that move. Like, if you take the best young players in the game right now in football, so let's just say... Who's at a contract soon that's a really good, really good young player? Uh, contracts expiring. This is what I want. Contract expiring in 2024. Right. Alejandro Baldi the young left-back at Barcelona. Let's take him as an example here. Or we can look at Nico Williams uh, at Athletic Club Bilbao. Um, I don't think either of them would entertain going to Saudi Arabia right now. Now, we currently are seeing Gabri Viega make that move, which is really disappointing but he's making that move. But I wouldn't, cla- I wouldn't class him as an elite-level prospect, whereas Balde and Williams, I do think, are that elite level. Levine Yamal is another one. He's the really exciting winger at Barcelona. He's at a contract next summer. I don't think we'd see those players make the move to Saudi. But if one of them did, it could open the floodgates a little bit. I don't think it'll happen, but it might. And the same will be true in the NBA. Like I don't think well, next year's NBA draft is not is not particularly good at all. It's it's seen as the uh, one of the weakest drafts that we're ever likely to have. But let's just say that the number one prospect for the twenty twenty five draft, Cooper Flag, sixteen year old coming out of Maine, plays for Mount Verde Academy now. Let's just say he decides, you know what? I'm too good for high school. I don't want to play in college. So I'm going to go to Saudi Arabia now instead. I'm going to take the offer that they're making me and I'm going to go and I'm going to secure generational wealth for my family. If he did something like that, all of a sudden it would make a lot of people in the NBA quite nervous. The same thing if the next great European, whoever that's to be after Victor, if they were to turn around and say, you know what, I'm from Europe, I, I don't care about America. I'd rather you know, secure the incredible wealth. I'll, I'll take the, the guaranteed $25 million a year for five years that I can get right now, as opposed to going to the NBA and not making that kind of money until year six. I'll take it now. If that happens, then the NBA will start to get worried. But I do still think the NBA will always remain the number one. My concern would be more for the League, which I very much enjoy watching. My concern is that it's the League that would get supplanted and taken over basically by the Saudis. Because they rely a lot on players that don't quite make the grade in the US at the NBA level. And they can bring them over and they'll pay them a lot more than they'll make, say, in the G League. That's the league I would worry about, not so much the NBA. But I do... I do do wonder what would happen if if the Saudis just said, you know what, Saudi Pro Basketball League, we're going to go, we're going to get the best young players we can and we're going to try and build it That We're going to go and we're going to get Harden. We're going to go and we're going to get Westbrook and Wall and Kevin Love and, you know, if Kyle Lowry gets bought out, we'll go and get him. We're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. But we're also going to go and get the best young players we can. Um and let's say they got Cooper Flagg, who's you know, projected number one pick in the twenty twenty five draft. And let's just say following that they go and get someone like a Hugo Toom from Estonia, um Yannick Craig, the the young Dutch kid that's very impressive. Let's say they do that. Then all of a sudden, the NBA might have to get a little bit concerned. A little bit concerned. Anyway, that's that one. Hope that answers that. Um, Matt JT, if Liverpool decide to go cheap and they decide they need another attacker, since Gakpo is apparently an eight now, a midfielder and a left-side centre-back Who are some endo level players that they could target? So, by this, I'm guessing you mean players that aren't necessarily starter quality, but could be good squad players. Um, Well, the first one that comes to mind would be for center back would be Jacob Greaves of Hull, who i think i think and I could be wrong I think has a big future ahead of him he's twenty two play left back or center back six four comfortable on the ball decent pace plenty of experience now this is his that he's going into this is his fifth full season as a senior player he had a year on loan at Cheltenham and he's had three years with Hull one in league one. So he played League 2 with Cheltenham, League 1 with Hull, now going into Year 3 in the Championship. Um, Doesn't get injured. 35, 41, 48 and 45 games over the last four years. 172 senior appearances to his name at 22. Um, So he would be one option for that role. And the other one would be a bit more of a flyer because I think this player is a little bit more error prone and he is a little bit older. But I do still quite like Pascal Sryek of, of Leeds, but I would probably go for Greaves. I would probably go for Greaves. Um in the midfield, then I mean Amrabat's a better player than, than Endo. But he's younger. But I would still view him as a backup i wouldn't view him as being um, sort of starter quality so could could amrabat be be an answer there um maybe not maybe he's too high or uh, too high caliber for what we're looking for here so let me think um Nicolas Dominguez of Bologna. Now I think he's a very good player, and I think he he's got the potential to be very, very useful. Wouldn't wouldn't have him as a starter for Liverpool. But again, I think he'd be a good squad player. More central midfield than defensive midfield, but can do both roles. Uh, so he'd be one. And Anton Stack or Stash, the the mines midfielder, he was apparently the alternative option. To endo, uh, so I'll go with one of those two. I'll go, you know, I'll just go with Nicholas Dominguez. I'll go with nicolas Dominguez as my as my midfield option, and then a forward. Again, you're looking for a squad player, not someone that can come in and start, not someone that's likely to become a starter. Um. Ideally, you're looking for a Callum Wilson type here, aren't you? Do you know what I'll go Lucas Ocampos of Sevilla? Uh, twenty-nine years of age, can play either side, can play through the middle, hard working, really good in the air because he's a six-four winger. Um I'll go Lucas Ocampos. So I'll go Lucas Ocampos as my forward player. I've got Nicolas Dominguez as my midfield player. See, Jacob Grease might not qualify because I actually think he could develop into a a starting caliber player over a couple of years because he's still so young. Um, So maybe instead of him, maybe we go a Darabio of Fulham. I think he'd be a solid squad player for Liverpool, replacing Joel Matip. As a backup to Virgil, but not a successor to Virgil. And the funny thing is when Tolson was young, he was really highly regarded. It just seemed to plateau at a certain point. But he's a good player. So I'll go with him instead. I'll go Tolson. If you were looking for you were looking for a lefty though, were you? Or you were looking for a lefty. Do you know what? I'll just go with Jacob Greaves. I'll just go with Greaves. Cause I, I actually wouldn't be against the signing at all. I really wouldn't. If Jacob Greaves landed at Liverpool, I actually wouldn't be against it at all um so that's that one uh isaac gilding with the delhi alley interview now a few weeks old i get the sense it's part of the fabric of football culture and discourse in the uk with everything we learned from the interview how do you think things might have gone if delhi had joined liverpool when he moved from mk dons also what do you think he sh- he should do now with all the public information, can he go and have a good few years to end his playing career? I I definitely think there's still scope for Delhi, um, to have a strong end to his career. He is only 27, so from a physical point of view, I don't think there should be any issues. We do we know there's no issue with the talent side. It is just it's a mental health issue with, with Delhi. It's a confidence issue with Delhi. Um, I'd like to see him maybe leave England. Now I know he had the fairly disastrous loan spell at Besiktas, which I don't know if "disastrous" is the right word. <clears throat> <clears throat> he played well at points, but then dropped off at other points, and there was a couple of comments about, um him just not really been locked in on things. I do think Delhi could still have success in Portugal, in France. I'm just thinking of game of of countries where the, the style of football is progressive, quick paced but not overly physical. Because I think Delhi's very much a finesse player. Now look, he's he's 6'2 and he's he's no shrinking violet. He can stand up to it. But I do think he had a couple of injuries earlier in his career as well that slowed him a little bit, and that kind of played into what went on. But I think if you put Delhi in like Benfica's team as a ten, I think he'd do well. I think he could do well in the Bundesliga with the right team around him, like you put him in the Bundesliga behind Randall Colomuani in that Eintracht Frankfurt team. And I think he could have success if he could play just all for him. I think Colomuani is the type of striker that you get the best of Delhi. With Uh, Another one would have been, um, Goncalo Ramos, but he's just gone to PSG. So that, that was what I was thinking with Benfica. Um, I, I do think he can, still have a good end to his career. And I really, really want him to have a good end because I've always, always liked Delhi. What would have happened if he joined Liverpool? So we're talking about the 2nd of February, 2015. He would have been coming in under Rodgers, but 10 months later, Jurgen Klopp, eight months later, Jurgen Klopp would have, would have arrived. I think Jurgen would have loved Delhi. I think he would have loved him. I think Jurgen would have stuck to playing 4 2 3 1 if he'd had Delhi and Bobby. I think he could have used them together in tandem. Bobby is a 9, Delhi is a 10, Bobby's movement dropping off, Delhi making runs into the box. I think he could have got. Real success with that, especially if he put Fabinho and Ginny Wijnaldum behind as that double pivot, just there to protect. You could even play it with Salah and Mane and tuck them more naturally into inside forward positions and play a four-two-one-three. Because Delhi wasn't shy of work. Delhi would happily track back and dig in. So Delhi, in place of a waist of a shirt like Jordan Henderson, then absolutely, I think he could have had great success. But the fact of it is that when he went to Spurs first, he was, he was outstanding. He really was outstanding. His first season, well, let's let's go back. 13-14 season. That's the season he really makes his name. He plays 37 games in all competitions and scores seven goals. Delhi was 17 entering that season. The following season he gets 16 goals in 44 games in all competitions. Then he moves to Spurs. 10 and 46 in his first year, stepping up from League One. It's a hell of an effort. 22 and 50 the next year. 14 and 50 the following year, 17 18. That's the season he gets hurt. And he hurts his thigh muscle. And he goes to the World Cup and he has a poor World Cup. And he's never been the same since. The two seasons after that, seven and 38, nine and 38, he was good, but not nearly as good as he'd been the previous seasons. But there has now been three seasons where it has just been an unmitigated disaster for him. The 2021 season, obviously, the the falling out with Mourinho. 21-22, that's when he moves to Everton midway through the season plays 29 games and doesn't score for Everton but scores two for Spurs. And then last season, but the thing with Delhi is like, even those seasons after the World Cup where he wasn't at the same level, but he's still playing and still playing decently and he's still scoring. Like, if you're getting eight goals in, from 25 games from a, mid, a midfield player, that's still a hell of a return, do you know? So would it have gone better at Liverpool than it did at Spurs? It is hard to say. Klopp might not have given him the same opportunity that Pochettino did. Liverpool might have loaned him out for that 15-16 season and then maybe he never gets a chance at Liverpool. Maybe he ends up moving on. The loan might have gone badly. You don't know. I I, I kind of feel like kind of feel like the best thing that could have happened to Delhi was in the summer of 2018 if he missed the World Cup and just rested that injury because he then carried that the following season as well and I do wonder if in the summer of 2019 the best thing might have been for him to move abroad because so much of what happened to Delhi is the people that just won't leave him alone that, that horrendous family who have no claim on him because they basically abandoned him. Um, I feel like if those people were not able to get to him the way they are now, I, I do think it could have had a huge effect. Um, AMK2889, a few questions in, in relation to boots and fitness. What are your thoughts on Harry Kane's lifetime contact contract with Skechers, as well as Skechers attempting to be a part of the football world? We kind of knew this was coming when they started doing the ads for the runners and hiring ex footballers to do it. That they were starting to test the waters with the the football community. Um, I don't, I don't really have an issue with Kane uh, signing on. I just hope that. This isn't like when Grant Hill signed a big contract with Fila rather than going with Nike or Adidas and he ended up getting runners that were maybe not quite the same caliber of what he should have had and it ended up causing him some injury problems and it ruined his career ultimately. Um as long as they're quality make uh, quality material and as long as they're supportive of, of his ankles and stuff, I don't have a problem with it. And I welcome I welcome Skechers' attempts because I do think for for Nike and for uh, for Nike and for um, for Adidas, they do need more competition just to keep them on the toes. Uh, with New Balance's success and if Skechers prove successful, do you think that could push some of the brands that aren't prevalent in the game anymore, such as Reebok, Pony, Lotto, and Deodora? just to name a few, to try and force their way back in. It would depend on if they've got the financing. Um, For me, like Reebok, Diodora, Lotto, Mizuno, and Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. They were all fairly prevalent when I was young. It just depends on whether they've got the appetite for it. Like it's, it's a big expense. You've got to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money. You know, it's speculate to accumulate with these type of things. You've got to get players on board before you can really go and do anything. So you've got to pay them. So you've got to put that money out in the hope of getting it back. So I think it would take a lot of courage from these companies to do so, and I just don't think it will happen. I think it's different for New Balance and Skechers, I mean, Reebok could do it. Reebok certainly could do it. But Pony, Lotto, Diodoro, Mizuno, they don't really have the huge sales in other areas that will allow them to divert money into doing this. Reebok, they could. They've still got that big deal with the UFC. So I assume they're still shifting a lot of the the lifestyle clothing stuff. Um, So they could do it. But New Balance and Skechers, they've got, you know, enormous money behind them because of how successful they've been in, in their other areas. Um, question three. Some of Liverpool's best kits when, were when we were with Umbro and Reebok. Would you rather Liverpool go back to those brands knowing the jersey appeal could go back to what it was and give up the financial wealth from, say, Nike or stay with Nike knowing we would be maximizing our full financial structure but continue to same boring uh, and basic jersey designs? So... Um, I'd actually like us to be with Adidas because I think they make the best kits I love the retro stuff that they're doing Um I think Nike and Nike are incredibly lazy with their designs I, I don't know that they have any actual designers on staff I, I don't know whether this is the best deal Liverpool could have gotten from a commercial point of view, uh, that's not for me to say but I The thing is, I don't really care. As long as the jersey's not god-awful like some of the awful, awful things we've seen United playing over the years. As long as the jersey's not awful, I'm not all that pushed on it. Because I'm not going to buy one. So it doesn't really affect me all that much. If the jersey was something... Like, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd have been buying their recent jerseys. Because if a jersey really stands out to me, I'll buy it. So I've got a whole bunch of, you know, jerseys from Italian clubs and Greek clubs and clubs from everywhere because the jerseys are aesthetically pretty pleasing. I don't really care if the jersey's just, you know, run of the mill, whether it's, you know, it's good, but it's not incredible or it's dull as dishwater. As long as it's not got off, like, don't really mind. As long as it just sits from the, kind of blur to, yeah, not bad. I'm fine with it. I don't care. So uh, for me right now, I'd rather have maximized the the financial side. And if that's with Nike, that's great. Um, And that's actually all the questions we've got for today. So we shall take a break. And when we come back, uh, we've just got the news and the gossip. So I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So, uh, bits of news Anya O'Gorman legendary Irish defender is set to call time on her international career after winning 119 caps for Ireland she will continue to play at club level for Shamrock Rovers and is going to pursue her coaching badges the fact that she got to play at a World Cup is is a perfect end to a great international career so best of luck with everything there uh, Gonzalo Montiel. The Argentine World Cup winning right-back who scored the decisive penalty in the shootout over France has joined Nottingham Forest on a season-long loan with an option to make the deal permanent. Um, I think this is a really good signing. I think he's a very, very good right-back. I really do. Now, I do think they had a bigger need for a left-back, but I wonder if they're going to use Nico Williams as their left-back. Because Nico's more comfortable, I think, on the left cutting inside than he is on the right going outside, because he's not the quickest. He's not slow by any means, but he's not got that lightning burst. And I do think he likes coming infield off the the left a bit more. That's where he's had his best games for the Welsh national team, is as a left wing-back. So I wonder if that's the plan here. Montiel on the right... And Nico on the left. One to keep an eye on. Um Lionel Messi has decided he would like more silverware. So having just won one cup last week, the League the League's Cup, uh Messi is heading for a second final. So into Miami came back from two 0 down to reach the final of the open cup. US Open Cup. Um, This is apparently America's oldest and most prestigious knockout football competition dating back to 1913 and Miami will host Houston Dynamo in the final. So, Inter Miami played Cincinnati 2-0 down, came back 3-3, beat them on penalties. Uh, Houston Dynamo beat Real Salt Lake 3-1 after extra time. So, this is very exciting for Messi. Very, very exciting. If he can get two bits of silverware, basically within a month and a half of joining, that's fantastic. And he's playing tremendously well. So it's fun. It look, I know it's not the same as him being in Europe, but it's still fun. And he seems to be really enjoying himself. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with this. Uh, Manchester City have had a £47 million offer from Matthias Nunes of Wolves rejected, but City are expected to return with another offer. Uh, He's a player that Pep Guardiola has talked about before about how highly he rates him, so wouldn't be at all surprised to see him end up at City. Um, What else do we have? Uh, Lewis Hall has completed his move from... Chelsea to Newcastle. I think that's a mistake by, by the tune, by, by, by Chelsea, I should say. Uh, Hannes Delacroix has joined Burnley from Anderlecht. Vincent Company does love himself. Uh, a foray into the Belgian market. This guy has one cap for the national team. He is a central defender company will know him from when he was at Anderlecht as both player and then manager. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, they needed a centre-back. They needed another one in, so they've gotten one. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Konstantinos Mavroponos has made his move to West Ham permanent. I think that's a good signing. And Aston Villa have sold Aaron Ramsey to Burnley for £12 with a buyback. I don't like the move because... I think he's that talented you should be keeping him and making him a part of your squad this year. And I, I I don't like the fact that they're also sending Cameron Archer out on a similar type of deal, a permanent deal with a buyback, $18 million, uh for him to go to Sheffield United. Villa will have a buyback. For me, Villa had four real blue-collar prospects. Jacob Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey, Carney Chukwemeka, and Cameron Archer. And now, Archer's going, one Ramsey's gone, Chukwemeka's gone. There's only Jacob Ramsey left. And those those four... Should have been part of the next really, really good Villa team, and instead only one of them is likely to be because how often do we see players get bought back? I mean, look at Douglas Louise, for example. The reason he's a Villa is because City decided not to trigger the buyback and just left him there. Now, if Jacob Ramsey explo- if Aaron Ramsey rather explodes or Ar- Archer explodes, then Villa have the finances to go back and get them. But if they don't, Let's just say they go there and they don't work out. That doesn't mean they wouldn't have worked at Villa. This is the thing that people don't often get. Just because a player doesn't do well. Let's take an example of a recent move, Timo Werner. Just because he didn't work at Chelsea doesn't mean he wouldn't have worked somewhere else. You know? Just because Darwin Nunes went to Liverpool last season and didn't score 40 goals doesn't mean he wouldn't have scored 40 at City or Arsenal. Just because Anthony is flopping at United doesn't mean he would flop everywhere else. He might have success at at City under Pep. Just because Mason Mount is struggling at United right now doesn't mean he would have struggled had he gone elsewhere. People seem to think that just because the result of something happens one way with one set of circumstances, it would have happened that way in every set of circumstances. A couple of other deals to just wrap up. Yasin Ayari has left Brighton to go to Coventry on loan. That's their Gustavo Hammer re- uh, replacement at Coventry. That's a great signing. Uh, Flynn Downs has gone from West Ham to Southampton on loan. I'm not really sure of the logic there for West Ham, but I assume it was part of the deal to get Ward Prowse. Um, I think I talked about the Tyler Adams deal and how much I liked that one for Bournemouth, and um, that's pretty much all the transfers. Done, so we'll do the gossip. Tottenham are preparing an offer for 50 million rated Wales winger Brennan Johnson, which could include players as part of a swap deal. Um, they could do it, Ryan Sesenyon. so maybe there's something there. Uh, Fluminense will not sell Andre despite interest from Liverpool, Fulham, and Sporting Lisbon. They would sell him, but you'd have to pay his buyout clause. That's the, the fact of the matter. Um, Nicola Pepe looks set to leave Arsenal to move to Saudi Arabia after turning down the chance to join Besiktas. Chelsea will urge Romelu Lukaku to accept an offer from Saudi Arabia if a deal cannot be struck struck with a European club. I do... When does the Saudi window close, I wonder? I wonder, is it a week after the European window? And then they'll just swoop in, and, and anyone's problem, they'll be able to get them in then. So if you've got players that you would have liked to sell but you couldn't, they'll just pick them off then. Um like like Lukaku and stuff and there'll be some some shady operations taking place. Juventus were willing to pay Chelsea 35 million for Lukaku, but the Italians need to bank 50 million from the sale of Dusan Vlahovic before they proceed. They should just keep Vlahovic. Um Fiorentina's Moroccan midfielder Sofian Amrabat is training alone boosting Manchester United hopes of signing the 27-year-old, but United must sell players first to raise funds. Fulham are interested in Moise Keane. Didn't work for him in England the last time, but I do like Moise Akeen. Uh, I think they should probably look elsewhere. Lazio have withdrawn their interest in signing Hugo Lloris, according to the spoofer with the catchphrase. Shout out to the spoofer um, this summer alone four here we Goes that have not been here we go at all three community notes for spoofing which is good you know keep Fabrizio on his toes I personally I would like every Fabrizio Romano tweet to have a community note attached to it reminding people he's not a journalist he's a social media influencer that's what he is he is a social media influencer um West Ham remain in talks to sign Mohamed Kudu's uh, David Ornstein reports that deal is getting close. It looks like they are close to agreeing a fee and terms and add-ons, et cetera, et cetera. So that one should get done. West Ham have also opened talks with, to- talks? Talks with Sevilla over a possible deal for Yusuf N. Naziri. Uh, I do like Yusuf N. Naziri. I think that would be quite a good signing. Um, Bayern Munich, Orion, Fulham's. Kenny Tete as a replacement for Benjamin Pavard. That just smells of utter garbage. Uh, Munich and Borussia Dortmund are keen on Armel Belakotchev. Rooks were he was going to Dortmund and then that all seemed to go quiet. Um, Brentford have submitted an improved offer for Nico Gonzalez, but neither the Serie A club, that being Fiorentina, or the 25-year-old is interested in negotiating a transfer. Um, Now, I don't know that that's in any way true because I don't think Brentford would make the move if they hadn't already gotten the go-ahead from the player and the player's agent. So uh, I don't think that's the truth, to be honest. I think that's just uh, a second-rate website trying to make themselves seem important. With you know journalists who they're not journalists they're content creators on crappy websites. Um, Sheffield United are closing in on a deal for Cameron Archer. Uh, Tottenham have rebuffed Barcelona's efforts to take Giovanni Lo Celso on loan. Super agent Jorge Mendez George Mendes, um, will arrive in. Barcelona imminently to finalise the Sale move to Man City. Burnley and Granada are both keen on deals to sign Manchester United's 20-year-old Alvaro Fernandez on loan. Burnley would be the better move for him. Just get him used to the Premier League. Everton are locked in talks with Southampton over a move for Che Adams but will not pursue a move for Troy's 27-year-old Guinea-Basuit forward, Mama Baldy. Baldy's quicker. Like, he's a lot quicker, and he's more naturally a wide player. And that's more what they need. I don't really understand why they want Che Adams. I would have said getting that wide player in Makes more sense. But look, there's no sense to be had with Everton Football Club. We'll leave it there. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. The sun's gone away. Sad now. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.